A young man was just starting out in ministry, and he was settling into the new town where he would be a, a pastor for the first time. One morning, he was having breakfast, and he opened a letter from his mother, and in the envelope was $20, and he was so happy. He was so thankful for a little bit of financial help from mama. How many know a little financial help from mama can go a long way? About that time that he was opening up the letter, he looked out the window, and he noticed a man was leaning on a light pole, and he noticed that people were coming up to him and handing him money. And he thought, oh, that poor man. He needs this more than I do. So he put the, the $20 back in the envelope, and he wanted encouragement. So he wrote perseverance on the envelope, and he went outside, and he smiled, and he handed the envelope to the man. He said, I, I bless somebody today. Well, the next morning, he was eating at that same cafe, and that same man came running in there with a big old sack of $100 bills and threw it down on the table. And he was confused, and he said, what's this? He said, Perseverance won the race with the odds of 30 to 1. Here's your winnings. <laughs> Things are not always as they appear to be. <laughs> he tricked the young pastor. And you know what? You can trick old pastors too. Because one day an elderly minister was walking down the sidewalk and he saw that this little boy, this little short little boy was trying to reach up and push a, a doorbell. So, so the, the, the old preacher walked up. He said, son, let me help you. So he pushed the doorbell and he said, now what? And the little boy said, now we run. <laughs> Things are not always as they appear. And I've called the message today, what do you see? What do you see? Ask somebody, what do you see? I've heard it said many years ago, some people are so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. Anybody ever heard that? But I'm afraid that we have the opposite problem today because the church has become so worldly and so earthly minded that we have no clue of what God is doing in the spiritual realm. So I want to ask you today, what do you see? Because the Bible says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Where is your focus right now? Are you focused on your circumstances? Are you focused on the debt, on the doubt, on the division, on the delay, on the dysfunction, on the diagnosis, on the disaster? Are you looking at your situation? Are you seeing with eyes of faith to see God's hand at work. What do you see? Because there is more going on than meets the eye. Second Corinthians 5 7 says, We walk by faith and not by sight. Habakkuk 2 4 says, The just shall live by faith. Our setting today is a little place called Dothan in Israel, not Alabama. And I know that nobody hears from Alabama because as soon as I said Alabama, you would have said roll tight. <laughs> nobody from Alabama ever managed to run from the police because they would say, I'm looking for Steve from Alabama. Roll tight. Got him. <laughs> We're in the little place called Dothan. Dothan is only mentioned twice in the Bible, yet both times it's in key moments in the history of God's people. The first time involves Joseph and his brothers. Joseph was the second youngest son of Jacob, the man God changed his name to Israel. Pretty famous guy, right? 
And Jacob did what every parent says they'll never do, but y'all know y'all do it. He picked a favorite. Genesis 37, 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And look, he made him a tunic of many colors. Not only did Jacob pick a favorite kid, but he dressed him up in an outfit that advertised all day, everywhere he went, this is my favorite kid. Okay, that famous coat of many colors was more than a fashion statement. You got to understand that, that he was saying when he put that coat of many colors on him, okay, this is the crown prince of the family, the heir apparent. And when he put that on Joseph, he was telling all of his 10 older brothers, oh yeah, I'm going to skip all of y'all and Joseph is going to get the preferential inheritance. Uh-oh. And you know what? Joseph didn't do himself any favors. He said, hey brothers, I had a dream. And I dreamed that we all had stalks of grain and that, that all of your stalks bowed down to my stalk. How about that? His brothers were not amused. And to make things even worse, the Bible says that Joseph would come in from tending flocks in the fields and he would tattletale on the stuff his brothers were doing. They hated Joseph. They did not like this guy at all. And Genesis 37 is where we learn biblically that snitches get stitches. <laughs> Genesis 37, 14. Jacob said to Joseph, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. And he sent him out of the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. And a certain man found Joseph just wandering around in the field. He didn't know where that boy was. And he said to him, he said to him, what are you seeking? And he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they're feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw Joseph afar off, even before he came near, they conspired against him to kill him. Oh, my Lord. They said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. That's a word for somebody. Don't expect everybody to believe in the dream that God put in your heart. They said, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. So their little brother is approaching, and they're literally plotting to kill him, hide the body, and come up with an alibi. And you thought your family was crazy. In case you haven't noticed, Dothan is a place where very discouraging things happen. Maybe, figuratively speaking, you've been to Dothan a few times. Maybe you live there. I don't know, but you can relate. Maybe you've been in a place like Joseph where you were betrayed by somebody. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a family member. People talked about you behind your back, and it cost you relationships, and it cost you opportunities. Maybe you had a coworker, and you were up for a promotion, and somebody lied about you. 
Dothan represents betrayal, and it also represents worry, discouragement, and fear. Maybe you're like the servant of Elisha. Maybe everything was fine, and then all of a sudden, these problems that were beyond your control and beyond your ability to fight crept in overnight, and you feel like you're surrounded. Dothan is a place of difficulty and discouragement, and I don't know what your Dothan is, but I think that we've all been down to Dothan. It happens in Elisha's life while he's faithfully serving God, prophesying and speaking over Israel. It comes for Joseph at a point when he is obviously sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He's sensitive enough that he can sense the presence of the Lord, and he's sensitive enough that he knows when a dream is from God. How many of you this morning, show of hands, can, can honestly say God has spoken to me in a dream? Many, many people in this room. Listen, it takes spiritual discernment, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit to know whether a dream is God talking or 3 a.m. pizza talking. Can I get a witness? And I'll say this, very rarely does God speak to me in dreams. But during this week of prayer and fasting and seeking God and praying and being in his word, yesterday morning God spoke to me in a dream so vivid and so clear that it woke me up and I didn't want to go back to sleep. God still speaks to his people. Can I get an amen this morning? So Joseph at this point is sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit that he knows when those dreams are from God and he knows how to interpret the dreams. Notice that Joseph didn't learn this later in life. He has this ability as a 17-year-old which says something about the ability of young people to hear from God. Don't you dare discourage young people and children from hearing God's voice. Listen to me. The devil's talking to them 24-7. Don't you dare teach them they can't hear from God for themselves. God spoke to the prophet Samuel when he's a young boy. God spoke to John the Baptist when he was in his mama's womb. Is that young enough for you? If he can do that, he can speak to people of any age. You are not too young, nor are you too old to hear the voice of the Lord. Amen. Acts 2.17, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall dream dreams. Your, old men, your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I guess I'm old now. <laughs> You used to see visions, now I dream dreams. But here's Joseph. He's at 17. He's hearing from the Lord. But that doesn't mean he's perfect, does it? People can hear from the Lord and make plenty of mistakes. No doubt if Joseph had a do-over, he would have done some things differently, especially pertaining to dreams and brothers. You can be spiritually gifted. That doesn't mean that you're spiritually mature. Come on, I think we've all met people who were spiritually gifted, but maybe they weren't as wise as they ought to be. You see, the church needs the gifts of the Spirit, and the church also needs the fruits of the Spirit. If you've got the fruits of the Spirit without the gifts, you have no power. But if you've got the gifts of the Spirit without the fruits, you ain't got no order, and neither are effective. 
Where was I? Elisha was serving the Lord. Joseph was too. Look what they did to Joseph. Genesis 37, 21. But Reuben, the oldest, heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into the pit which is in the wilderness. Do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to them. So Reuben wanted to rescue Joseph. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, his tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and they cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. Even now, God was looking out for Joseph because they threw him in a cistern that was carved out of the rock and every time it rained, that cistern would be filled with water and if it had been full of water, Joseph would have drowned. Sometimes God will let you be thrown in a pit to preserve your life. His brothers threw him in the pit, verse 25, and they sat down to eat a meal. Like I said, you think your family's crazy. They lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices and balm and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up, lifted him out of the pit. Y'all ever had anybody lift you out of a pit just to sell you into slavery? (laughs) They lifted him out of the pit, sold him to the Israelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took him to Egypt. Quickly, I want to give you two points. Number one, God is with us even when we don't see it. God is with us even when we don't see it. His brother said, let's kill him. Reuben said, no. They said, let's throw him in the cistern. God had stopped the rain. Reuben had gone away, and the rest of the brothers said, let's kill him anyway. And Judah said, "Uh uh-uh, we can't do it. God is with us even when we don't see it. Now, we're going to get to Elisha in a minute, but let's look at Joseph. One day, in one day, Joseph goes from royal prince to slave trader's property. This was the lowest day in Joseph's Life. This was a bitter betrayal that not only cost him his freedom, it cost him his identity and nearly cost him his life. But even then, God was with him. Child of God, this Christian life is not about the absence of problems. It's about the presence of God. Even in the storm, God is there. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And walk through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one that goes with you. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing shall be able to separate you from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. God is with you even when you don't see it. 
Do you know that in the end, after all the mess that Joseph went through, beaten, broken, and betrayed over and over again, Joseph said this in Genesis 50 and verse 20. He said, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Joseph got it. Joseph understood Lord, I don't like it. I don't like the way this feels. These people are coming after me. They're trying to destroy me. But God, I know you are with me. Even when I can't feel it, even when I can't see it, even when I don't understand it, I know that you are here and you are working this for my good. And if it's not good, God's not done. Come on, shout if it's not good. God's not done. If it's not good, God's not done. What you meant for evil against me, God meant it for good. God was working in Joseph's favor even on the worst day of his life. Now think about this. Joseph's slavery would be the key to his brother's freedom. Only Jehovah God can do something like that. What they meant for evil, God meant for good, even for their good. My God is so merciful. God is with us even when we don't see it. Number two, tough times show us who God really is. I don't know about you, but God has walked with me through some mighty tough times, but it's through those times that I discovered things about my God that I could not have learned any other way. If I never had any problems, I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. That's why I can praise him in good times and I can still praise him in bad times. That's why I can praise him on a sunny day. I can praise him in a hurricane. I can praise him in the boardroom. I can praise him in the hospital room because God has never left me. He's never forsaken me in the good times, in the tough times. He is always there and he's working it for my Good. My God is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Hallelujah. King of Syria went after Elisha. He sent his army down to Dotham. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there in the city. And then they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? The servant of Elisha was in a panic. He was having what we might call today a breakdown. (laughs) I think the clinical terminology, he was freaking out. (laughs) Alas, what shall we do? So Elisha answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray. Open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. 
That servant who had been worried and afraid when his eyes were open, he saw that day who God really is. He saw in that moment that he is Jehovah Sobaoth, the God of angel armies. Our God is the Lord of hosts. He is the God of angel armies. Child of God, you feel like you're surrounded right now. If you would open up your eyes and see into the spiritual realm, you would realize that your surrounders are surrounded. Greater are those who are with you than those who are with them, Jehovah Sabaoth, has mobilized the armies of heaven and help is on the way. I can't help but think Psalm 121 was written on that day in Dothan. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Somebody shout help is on the way. Hallelujah. Greater are those who are with you than those who are with them. Think about that. For every demon in hell, there are two angels fighting for you. The devil's outnumbered two to one. For every problem the devil sends your way, there's a promise of God in the Bible. For every sickness and disease the enemy puts on you, there's a stripe on Jesus' back and the blood of Jesus testifies against the enemy. Help is on the way. Tough times show us who God really is. Who is this king of glory? He is the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. He is the God of angel armies. You know who else knew him by that name? A little shepherd boy called David. When David faced the champion of the Philistine army, he said to Goliath, you're about to Goliath down and not get back up. Verse 8 of 1745, thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And you know something? David didn't do it. God did it. God was just looking for somebody to have faith and take him at his word. It's the same way with you and me. God has got all the power, all the might, all the strength. He's got the armies of heaven. He's looking for somebody on the earth to have a little faith in him to see what God can do. Hallelujah. I don't believe it even mattered. Listen, <laughs> listen, Goliath could have been standing to the north and David on that day could have thrown the rock to the south and it still would have took him out. You know why? Because the God of angel armies was stretching his slingshot arm in the heavenly realms. God was getting ready. God had the situation under control. You know, to the spectators, you know what it looked like? It looked like a nice young Israelite man was about to get his head knocked off. But things are not as they appear. God was getting ready to destroy the enemy and shame the devil. Somebody today, you feel like little David. 
When you think about the problem that you're facing, you feel small, weak, and unequipped to fight the enemy. Let me tell you something this morning. This is a word from you. Do not try this on your own. It is not by power. It is not by might. It is by my spirit, saith the Lord. Back to the second Kings chapter 6. When Elisha and his servant woke up that morning in Dotham, one saw the Syrian army, the other saw God's army. One window, two views. So let me ask you as I'm closing this morning, what do you see? Are you focused on the problem? Are you focused on the people who wronged you? Are you focused on the issues surrounding you? Or are you looking through eyes of faith into the realm of the spirit to see that God is greater than all these things? Because child of God, God is with you even when you don't feel it, even when you don't see it. And you're going to find out in this season if you'll trust him, you're going to find out he's still the God of angel armies. He's still the Lord of hosts. He's still the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Listen to this. Psalm 9 verse 10 says this. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. God has not changed. He is still Jehovah Sabaoth. He is still the God of angel armies. He's still the God of it doesn't matter what's going on in the natural realm, what you see before you, there is more going on in the heavenly realms. I love what God told David one day. He said, when you hear the sound of marching in the mulberry trees, that's my army coming to defeat the enemy. Hallelujah. Church, we are not all flesh and blood, but we are spirit. And our God is moving in the spiritual realm. God is for you, and he is greater than those who are against you. Will you close your eyes this morning as we pray? And as you close your eyes in the natural, God, I pray. Lord, that you would open their eyes in the spiritual realm. Lord, open our eyes to see that in every situation, every problem, every circumstance, even in every opportunity, Lord, that you are working and you are moving on our behalf. God, I pray for those who are discouraged, for those who have faced the bitterness of betrayal. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are here to comfort those that mourn. You are here to, here to heal the brokenhearted. And God, I pray for your healing and for your presence. God, may they know that you are with them even now. And God, I pray for their life, Lord, for the things that the enemy meant for evil. Lord, I thank you, God, that not only are you able, to, but you are actively turning that thing for good. No matter what the enemy sends against us, God, you are able to take that and turn that back around and bring good out of it. Lord, I thank you that you are good. I thank you for your mercy and loving kindness. God, I pray for those, God, who feel like they're surrounded by the enemy this morning. Lord, I pray, God, that you would open up their eyes to see in the heavenly realm that those who are with them are greater than those who are coming against him right, them right now. God, I thank you that you are great and mighty and more than able. Thank you, Jesus. As we continue to pray, I realized this past week as I was studying, the name Dothan means two wells. And here as we pray and seek the Lord this morning, I want to ask you, what well are you drinking from? 
Are you drinking from the bitter well of anger, of doubt, of fear, of unforgiveness? Are you drinking from the well of living water that comes from the Holy Spirit? Somebody needs to let go of bitterness this morning. Somebody needs to let go of angerness. You need to let go of the things that you don't even realize they're holding you back and keeping you from all that God wants for your life. You need to lay those things down and let the living water of the Holy Spirit bring refreshing to your soul this morning. Father, I thank you for your presence bringing refreshing today. Will you just lift your hands to heaven, those who are willing? Just lift your hands to heaven. Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, for refreshing right now in your presence. God, as we seek you, come on, somebody begin to intercede and pray and lift your voice to heaven. Lord, I thank you for restoration happening right now. Lord, I thank you for healing. I thank you for physical healing. Lord, I thank you for emotional healing. God, I thank you. You're, Lord, you're restoring the years that the enemy stole. God, you are restoring right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you're moving in the heavenly realms. Oh, God, I thank you for your power moving in this place even now. God, as we seek you, Lord, I thank you. Lord, you're restoring a family right now. God, I thank you. Holy Spirit, Lord, for doing what only you can do. God, I thank you. It is not by might. It is not by power. It is by your spirit. And, Lord, I thank you that you can do in one moment in your presence, Lord, things we couldn't do in a lifetime. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power moving. Right now in this moment, spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us today. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, if you're for us, who can be against us? Lord, I thank you no weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises in judgment against us, we shall condemn as our heritage is as, as servants of God. Lord, I thank you, God, for healing the brokenness. God, for healing the bitterness. Lord, you made the bitter water sweet. Lord, do it again today in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord, for joy where there was mourning, for beauty where there was ashes, for the garment of praise where there was only heaviness before. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for healing and restoration. I thank you, God, for freedom. The mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Let's continue to just to worship and focus on him. Something amazing happened here in 2 Kings chapter 6. The Bible says that when the Syrian army began to advance on Elisha, Elisha prayed that God would shut their eyes. Elisha's prayed for one guy, God would open his eyes. And for everybody else, he said, he said, God shut their eyes. And God blinded the entire Syrian army. And you know what he did? He led them right to the king of Israel. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't kill him. He didn't put him in chains. He didn't beat him. He didn't publicly shame him. He prepared a feast and he fed him. That's the mercy of God. Why did they do that? Because God is still in the life-changing business. Oh, he's the way maker and the miracle worker, but the greatest miracle of all is that he's still the life changer. God still makes bad people good, and he still makes mean people sweet, and he still has the power to transform and change lives. And even though the Syrian army was coming against his people, God still loved them and showed mercy on them and save them because God never throws anybody away. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and you were an enemy of God. You were a mocker of God's people. You opposed everything that the Bible stands for. God doesn't throw anybody away. 
He's even prepared a feast for you today if you would humble yourself and come to him. For God so loved the world, not just Israel, but the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. You come to him, humble yourself before him, repent of your sins. He will save you, set you free, make you brand new, and your life will never, ever be the same. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're here this morning, you hadn't put your faith in him, God's prepared you a feast this morning. He's prepared salvation and freedom and eternal life to all who would receive him. Will you stand this morning? Today, somebody's breakthrough. Today, somebody's new beginning. Today is somebody's day of salvation. Well, let's pray this prayer of repentance together. Come on, everybody. You want to put your life in the hands of Jesus. Come on, pray with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Be my Savior. Be my closest friend. And Lord... With your help, I'll follow you the rest of my life. Amen. Come on, if you've been set free, I dare you to celebrate and give God a shout of victory and give God a shout of praise. He set me free. Hallelujah. Come on, church, let's celebrate.